Welcome to the Financial Planners South Africa podcast, a show dedicated to driving the positive evolution of financial advice, specifically in South Africa. To join a global community of financial advisors, sharing and learning with one another to drive the positive evolution of financial advice, head to xyadvisor.com. Portfolio Metrics is thrilled to bring you this podcast in support of our common passion, people and the evolution of wealth management. Our global business links precision investment management to expert financial advice through partnerships and technology. Portfolio Metrics is an authorized financial services provider. AssetMap is a proud sponsor of this podcast. Are you looking for the next big thing in advisor technology? AssetMap is used by thousands of financial advisors to help create more meaningful conversations with clients. See for yourself how AssetMap is leading the next phase of financial advice delivery. Learn more at asset-map.com forward slash Louis for special listeners discount. This episode is proudly brought to you by Alan Gray. They say it's important to live for today. Although that might be true, we can't forget to plan for tomorrow. There's a lot of it left, after all. Alan Gray is an authorized financial services provider. Visit www.alangray.co.za to learn how we build long-term wealth for clients. Welcome to another episode of Financial Planners South Africa. Today, I'm really excited to have Kirsty Detoy join me in conversation. Kirsty is the head of financial planning for AssetMap South Africa, who also happens to be a sponsor of the show. Kirsty, thank you so much for being here. Thanks, Louis. It's great to be here. Awesome. Before we started this conversation, I mentioned that we're going to dub this the COVID show because unfortunately I managed to pick up COVID. So please excuse the slightly different sound from today's conversation, but I'm sure our listeners will get as much value from your insights. Just prepping for this really got me excited for today's conversation. Awesome. Yeah, and I'm glad you're feeling a bit better. Thank you. Thank you. We're getting there. We're getting there. So, Kirsty, for the people that might not know you and haven't had a chance to have a conversation with you, give us a little bit of the backstory of how you got into financial services. Yeah, I think, you know, like a lot of people in our industry, Louis, I sort of fall into it by accident. Um, I finished school and I started studying a, a BCom in finance sort of part-time through UNISA. Um, and at the time, I started working for Sage Financial um, as a junior broker consultant. So that was sort of my first entrance into the industry or to be honest, I knew nothing about it prior to that. I didn't know anything about um, investing. Um, and I was, you know, got the opportunity to work there and it really opened my eyes to, to a world that I knew very little about. Um, and it lasted a, a few months. And then I don't know if you, you remember, but Sage then closed down at that time. So it only lasted a few months, but I got to work with some incredible people there um, and really just get exposed to, to this industry, you know, that I, that I didn't before know much about. After that, I went across to Axis and I started at Axis in an administration position. There was actually someone going on maternity leave and I was um, employed as a temp position to, to cover for that person. Luckily for me, um, after she returned, they, they added another role. So I got to stay on, on permanently. Um, and I worked there for, for many years, um, at Axis. Starting in the administration team gave me an, an awesome grounding and just really understanding where the rubber hits the road, you know, what investments are, how they work, how they work practically, you know, what the taxation is, what the different options are, what investing in a fund really means. Um, so I think I, it gave me great exposure and understanding and I learned so much in that space. And, you know, from there, I finished my degree and they encouraged me to do CFP and looking back. I still, you know, fondly remember that as being sort of a, a milestone and an achievement I'm really proud of, but also represented a shift for me, you know, a shift to focus more on financial planning. Um, and I spent, you know, a few more years there and I got to work with all of their strategic partners. So they worked with, you know, some of the great planners in our, in our industry. 
Um, I got to work with them, understand their practices, their process, uh, you know, how what their client experience was. So I've been really fortunate to just be exposed to, uh, you know, a lot of amazing people in our industry that I, I got to learn from from a very young age um, and ended up doing coaching course and, and focusing on advice development and the development of financial planning tools that support advice. Um, I that appears at, at Access, and then we moved across to Old Mutual Wealth, and uh, luckily I got to do that there too. So worked on on the advice methodology and their philosophy and the tools that support it. Um, and then about three years ago, I learned of AssetMap, and I just love the the simplicity of it. You know, just the ability to show a client on one page everyone that's important to them and everything that they've built up till now, you know, their assets, liabilities, incomes, expenses, and insurance. And just the idea to to be able to show it on one page and the engagement and, and conversation that that would create, um, you know, it was really intriguing. And the, as, as they say, the rest is history. But, you know, at that point, we started work that matters, um, you know, me and a few colleagues, and to bring AssetMap from the U.S. into South Africa, and it's been an awesome journey. I got to work with some of the same planners that I've worked with for the last 15 years and a whole lot of new planners that I hadn't worked with before, all amazing planners. So it's, yeah, it's been a fun and exciting journey. Kirsty, I'd love to hear a bit more about dealing with financial planners, specifically seeing that you haven't had financial planning experience. How difficult is it to get across a new idea or implement something new to these advisors that you're coaching? I think it's, it's interesting, Louis, you know, if I think back to at that time, um, you know, I, I was, as you said, hadn't been a planner before, uh, young, you know, in my twenties at the time and working with very established, experienced planners, um, you know, and working on their process. And as you say, trying to bring new ideas in. And I think it, it's, it's your own self doubt that comes through more than others. So I felt that. Um, and I remember sharing that, you know, one day with one of, of the planners and saying, you know, I haven't done this before. You know, will people be open? And, and his, thoughts to me was, you know, the fact that you haven't done it before means that you haven't been influenced by practicing financial planning. You know, you haven't picked up any potential habits. So you come from a really true space in in your understanding of it and, and the vision of it. Um, and that therefore you bring a different perspective. And I think that gave me the confidence. I think it's more your own thinking and and people are really open to to getting ideas from from any anyone you know we all bring a different perspective and because of our experience in one aspect or another can bring an idea that can move the practice forward and i i think what i found in my experience was that planners were very open and actually very willing to hear your ideas and take it on board so i think we'll see more of that um but it's, it's more your own your own fear that that comes through I love that blank slate that you're coming to the table saying, hey, I don't have all these preconceived okay. ideas. This is something we can work with. And these are all these industries that yeah. can influence it. Over the last couple of years, there's been a lot more talk about kind of looking at other industries, service industries, production industries, to bring into a different flavor of delivering financial advice. Have you seen an evolution in terms of how we deliver advice? I mean, I think that the one thing, this industry is constantly evolving and, and changing. I mean, even over the 15 years that, that I've been in the industry, I've seen so much change. Um, and that's what makes it exciting. And I love this idea of looking at other industries and seeing what we can bring in uh, from a service point of view. But I've definitely seen an evolution in, in planning. I mean, if we think just over the last 15 years in, in what I've seen, we've had the likes of, you know, phase coming in and bringing a bout of changes with that six step financial planning process, you know, more shift away from, you know, product, product planning or, or selling a product to, to more advising the clients building financial plans. We've seen a, a big shift to, you know, more comprehensive planning. And I think the idea there is to create this, this credibility, you know, to build trust in, in financial planning, in financial planners. I think the next shift's going to be interesting, though, Louis. It's sort of, um, I think what's to happen with that is that planning has become quite complex. <laughs> you know, if you think of the average plans of 20, 30 pages long, filled with 
calculations, graphs, cash flows, you know, so maybe we've, through that evolution that we've needed to create that credibility, I think it's created an opportunity for the next step, which I think is going to be about simplifying advice um, and simplifying to focus on the conversation. And it reminds me of this, this quote that I love. Um, it's a bit dated because we don't generally write letters anymore. But the quote said, I'm sorry this letter is so long. I didn't have the time to make it shorter. Um, and I think that sort of reminds me always of, of where planning is at the moment, you know, that the next shift is going to be around how do we take all of this information and, and this complexity and translate it in a way that clients can really understand and engage with it, you know, and I always think of it as that in the meeting, instead of sitting back, is the client leaning forward? You know, how do we get clients to, to lean forward, lean in, be part of the, the conversation? Um, and I think that's where technology will will play a role in in simplifying. But I also think that's going to be the next step, the next evolution. Yeah, it's roping that client into the conversation and yet at the same time just trimming out all the stuff that's not important. In your role as the head of financial planning, how much time do you spend with advisors, you know, th looking at things that they should be trimming, looking at things that they should not be doing? Because I found that oftentimes that is the part where, you know, we should be spending more time saying, okay, what shouldn't we be doing? And that frees up t time and space for the things that we should be focusing on. Yeah, I mean, in my role at, at Asset Map, I spend 80% of my time working with financial planners um, in one-on-one -on -one Zoom sessions, working through actual clients, uh, actual conversations and their process and, and how they can do exactly that. Um, and then I, th I think that comes down to to change. You know, change is, is is tough when you've done something one way for a long time, especially if it's been successful. You know, it's hard to to bring about uh, a change in practices. But what I find is, you know, we we hear often about there's this mismatch between what clients find valuable and where we spend a lot of our time as financial planners. And the, the one thing that I see a lot of is we spend a lot of time working on financial plans. Um, the amount of time we spend on the calculations, on tax calculations, on cash flows, on reporting, building those plans. And, and yet we hear, you know, when you're sitting with a client, they'll page through that, that plan, often being distracted by it in the meeting, you know, paging through it, trying to find something that, that jumps out at them. Um, and then once they leave the meeting, they, they don't look at, they don't look at it again. You know, so I think that's the biggest thing that we're trying to, to see and, and change we're trying to encourage is to, what is valuable for clients? It's, it's that conversation. Clients really come to you with one question in mind. Am I okay? You know, and if I'm not, what can I do to be okay? And if we spend too much time working through all these, you know, different things, we, we lose sight of that question. Clients lose sight of, of, of that question. So the, the real change that we, we need to see is how do we use technology to really condense what we're doing, you know, all of that backend calculations and, and speed that up so that we can spend more time sitting in front of clients, having those valuable, meaningful conversations around you're, you are okay or you're not okay. This is where you're at. That's where you want to go. How do we get you there? Um, and I think there's so many examples of that. Um, if we think of things like estate planning, you know, when we talk about estate planning, the, the focus is generally around, well, there's calculations. We need to calculate estate duty, executor's fees, capital gains tax. You know, and I think the real value lies in if someone in your family passes away, what does that mean? You know, is the family okay? Can you sustain the lifestyle? Do you know where everything is? I mean, that's the, the biggest probably stumbling block is, is there at least your significant other? Do they know where everything you have is, um, where it sits and how to access it. What happens to your social media accounts? Who's the first call that you make? You know, that's the, the conversation that's, that's meaningful. That's that the clients require. So we need to find ways to take the things like calculating the cost, which is important because we need to understand how it impacts the client, but that's why it's important to understand how it impacts the client. So how do we take 
that, you know, use technology to sort of speed up that part so that we can get to those results quickly and not spend too much time focusing on that, but more to say, okay, what does this mean for you? And how do we move this client forward with that knowledge? Um, and I think that's just one example, but there's, there's lots of, of, and, and that's what's exciting, right? Is there's so much opportunity to, to really speed that up so that planners can spend the time having these meaningful conversations with clients. I love that question that you phrased, am I okay? If you put on your coaching hat and you just think, you know, from a client's perspective, why do you think that is so important? I think it's the, the fear of unknown, you know, it's, it's that anxiety. Um, you know, I often talk about it um, as, as anxiety, but it's just not knowing, am I going to, am I okay? Am I on track? Um, and then often we hear, you know, when we're showing a client, some clients are okay. And, and there's a, there's a joy in that, you know, being able to show a client, you're going to be all right. And not just telling them, but showing them if this is everything that you want for the rest of your life. And this is what you have. You can see you, you over a hundred percent funded. You can enjoy the things that you, you want to do and, um, and not have that anxiety. And you can almost see in those sessions, the, the emotion that comes with that. You know, you can see that anxiety almost dissipates, um, you know, from the conversation. But I think the converse is true as well. You know, if a client isn't necessarily okay at this point in time, just knowing that this is where I am, you know, that in itself, removes some of that anxiety, knowing that there's a plan because there's always something that can be done to improve the client's situation. So how are we going to progress? What is the next step we're going to take that's going to move this client forward? And if we can focus the conversation there around, this is where you are today. Yes, we're not 100% on track yet. You're not 100% funded. But look, let's work through together what we can do differently to move you along this this path and on this journey to to being okay. And yeah, the sooner somebody can have that conversation and know that, the sooner that fear starts to to dissipate. So yeah, I think that's that's the crux of it. Am I okay? And if not, what can we do together to move you forward? You spoke about this anxiety and the financial anxiety around it. What are the things financial planners should be looking out for? Because I think sometimes we get so busy presenting a plan that we could miss this anxiety um, at the risk of going too deep on this. Like, What would you say to financial planners that might be rushing through the meetings? How can they pick up on someone's anxiety levels or specifically financial anxiety? Mm. I think it's, you know, I remember learning that that, that first question, you know, that you, when you sit down for the meeting is, you know, the SCARF is a, a great model on that. You know, if you, if you haven't um, heard of it or anyone listening hasn't heard of it, uh, to, to look that up, it's by David Rock. Um, and it stands for creating status, certainty, autonomy, relatedness, and fairness in all meetings to give clients, you know, the ability to not feel that anxiety. But maybe just a starting question is to say, to provide certainty. This is what we're going to do today. I'm going to start this session. This is, you know, the things we're going to work through. It's going to take this amount of time and, and then pause there to say, but is there anything on your mind before we do that? And it doesn't mean that you then go into that and, and, you know, because that you, you may, I mean, it may be something that you, you need to talk about, but I think just giving the client the ability to say, this is on my mind. This is where I'm at and, and what I'm thinking about right now, you know, giving them the space to say that, acknowledge it and say, okay, I understand that. Let's work through this and then see if that changes how you're feeling or if we need to spend more time on that. Because then the client can sort of be released a little bit from, from worrying about that in, in that session and will be more present for, for what you're working through for them, with them. So I think just key is creating that certainty right up front of, of what to expect from the session, but also giving the client the space to just reflect and, and share what, what is top of mind for them at the moment. So it can be as basic as having your agenda and saying, this is what I prepared for us today, Mr. or Mrs. Client. What else is there that you'd want to see? Anand Sethi that was on the podcast earlier mentioned that your agenda is really just there to help you prepare, but not necessarily all the things you need to discuss with your client. Sure, I love that. Yeah, it's so true. I think in the, 
the agenda, yes, it's for you to prepare. And, and working through that is just provides a, an order for the client to, to just have that certainty. Okay, so that's what we're going to talk about today. And, and, and the space to say, oh, okay, I need to add this as well, because this is top of mind for me. So I think asking those questions. I was reading a study um, in the last couple of days while I was isolating that spoke about um, how advisors think that they are very comfortable with extreme emotional responses from clients. And the survey conducted that about 60% of advisors felt comfortable when clients show extreme emotion. Yet when they asked their clients, less than 20% of them said they felt comfortable that their advisor could handle that. I'd love to hear your thoughts around that. I mean, I think that that type of thing happens so often. You know, we feel like we're we're creating the space for people to be be emotional and be vulnerable, um, and and yet they're not feeling like they can be. Yeah, I mean, I'm. I think the only way we can sort of change that is just creating more space for the client to talk. You know, just by creating the sense that, you know, I, I don't have necessarily, you know all the answers in the space, but I'm just going to ask questions and hear what the client has to say. Um, yeah, I think that could go a long way in just yeah, giving clients that space to share that. Um, and, and knowing that you don't have to, to have the answers always for those emotional situations, but just to be the person who hears it, to, to hear where their fears are, hear what's underlying and asking questions, you know, around how do you feel about this? any open-ended questions will elicit a lot of that information, you know, and, and give clients the space to be vulnerable. Kirsty, it's interesting. It's wonderful to hear as you talk through these things, how much of your coaching training comes through. And I think personally, I think it's a critical skill financial planners need to have. I would just love to hear your 10 cents on, you know, how that's changed the way you show up and the way you interact with your clients. I think for me, the, the coaching journey is, is always continuing, you know, to, to bring it into more aspects of your life. So, you know, you start on the course and it's easy to, to work through it. And then you feel like you slip back into, into default, but, but it's nice that you, you've picked up on it. I mean, some of it is, is, does stay with you and, and comes through, but I think it's a practice, you know, that you need to keep practicing in order to bring it through into, into aspects of your life. Um, but I think what it, what it gave me, you know, reflect on it is that you don't have to have all the answers. You know, as a professional, I think we think in each session, I need to be able to answer and, and know the answer to everything. And, and just stopping and asking a question, um, is just a, a great way of, of releasing yourself from that. You know, I don't have to have the answers to everything. Be the expert. Um, so, yes. Be the expert in, in all aspects, but I could, I can use coaching to, to ask a question and actually get far deeper into the, the conversation and understanding what the client really needs. Whereas if, if, for example, a client asks a question, I immediately feel, okay, now I need to be the expert. I need to know the answer to this. You know, maybe the answer I give is it just satisfies the need, maybe 10%. But if I'd asked a question, you know, I could have got so much more understanding around what it really means to the client. Why are they asking that question? What sits underneath it for them? You know, what's the emotion behind it? Is there fear perhaps or, or, or a joy that sits below that? Um, and, and I think that's what coaching gives you. It gives you that release of you don't have to know the answer. If you ask the right questions together, you'll come to an answer that's better than, probably better than the one that you thought of immediately. So. Yeah, I think that's what coaching can give us. Thank you. And there's such valuable resources now out there to build your coaching skills as a financial planner. I'd love to hear your advice for younger financial planners coming in. What would you think the foundation of delivering great advice should be built on? I think it, you know, it starts with the clients. So I always say, you know, I think when you're younger coming into the industry, you know, a lot of starting at power planning, maybe the focus becomes quite technical quite quickly. Um, and I think that my advice personally would be always start from what am I trying to help this client with? And if I look at this client situation, how would this client move forward? How do I show them what I need to show them in a way that they can easily understand it, feel empowered to make decisions to move forward and help them 
make those decisions on that journey that takes that client a step forward so that every meeting ends with the client in a better position than what they were in before. And I think if for, for younger planners, it's try and focus there first. So in everything that you're building, think about what is it that this client needs to see that's going to help them move forward? And how do I work on this model or this tool, whatever tool it is, to try and enable that conversation that's going to help that client move forward? And remember that those, that those three things, clients want to know, where am I? Am I okay? And what can I do differently to move forward? And if you keep the focus there, um, yeah, I think that's, that would be my, my advice to, to younger planners. Stay there. That's brilliant. And I'd like to tie that with kind of the asset map approach of helping someone get financially organized. That question you said, where am I, is one that for a lot of financial planners can take days or hours to gather all of the technical information about when you bought this asset, you know, how much you paid for it. And clients tend to not know. What has your approach been specifically using asset map to get someone financially organized? I mean, there's something about the picture, right? Um, and, and just showing that to a client, there's, there's sort of this human behavior where we see it, we see everything we have in a picture format. Maybe we've seen it in schedules before, but there's something about seeing it in a picture where you immediately see, oh, this is missing, you know, or no, that actually doesn't, um, isn't in my name. That's in the business or, or that's in the trust or what about this loan account? So I think that in itself creates a space for clients to share more. Um, and, and not, not even share more because they didn't want to share before, but it's just seeing it in a picture. They can spot it easier. Um, and, and also this idea of, you know, misunderstandings where we, we think something sits here. It actually sits there. That's another thing that'll come out of seeing it in a picture is just, no, this actually is here and, and that's there. And what about this? Um, but what I really love is Asset Map has found the, the balance. So the, the design philosophy of Asset Map is a concept called simple rich. Um, and it's, it's rich enough that it still provides the credibility. You know, it can't look like we've just thrown this together. You know, it needs to be credible. And, um, so it's rich enough to do that, but simple enough that clients can easily understand and engage with it. So just by showing it on a picture just removes all that complexity around, you know, what is it? What's the policy number? Where is it? What's it called to? Okay. What do I have? You have life cover of this amount. You have a retirement fund of this amount. Um, and in a, in a world where, you know, our focus, our ability to focus is extremely limited. We need to find ways in that engagement with clients to just draw their focus in and having it on one page. So between the two of us, we're both looking at this one page or, or on the screen, you know, one screen. It immediately drives that focus because you're not looking at a million different screens or a million different pages. We're both together on this page working through where you are now. And what does that mean for you? And I think that's what, that's where the power in it lies is, is just that simplification of saying, this is everything you have and where it is. Now let's understand, is that where you are? How do we move forward? In the Financial Transitionist Institute, they talk about using one pages. And the idea is that you build a story using a series of mm-hmm. one page visuals that really just simplifies it wow. so much for the client that they can actually connect to it. And I'm curious, like Asset Map shows everything on one page, but you also have the ability to hide things and show different layouts. Are there interesting ways that you've seen financial planners build a story mm. using different layouts yeah. and hiding things? Yes, I think it, you know, it again comes down to, I always say, what is the, the conversation we want to enable today? you know, with the client, because that changes over time. It's not always, you know, every year the same conversation. Maybe this year it's you and your family and we want to talk about where everything is there and how we move forward in terms of maybe retirement. But maybe the next meeting, we want to really understand and unpack your relationship with your business or your relationship with your business partner. And then it's about creating those layouts to say, okay, today we're going to take away everything else. We're just going to look at you on the page and your business on the page and understand this relationship between the two of you or between you and this entity, I should say, and, and what the financial implications of that are. Um, and I think SMF gives you that ability to each engagement 
delve a little bit deeper, you know, I mean, what we've seen specifically around businesses and, and business owners is that traditionally we would say this client has a business, this is the value of the business. And, you know, we, we show that um, for the client, but this gives you now the ability to delve deeper and say, well, let's unpack what sits inside that business, you know, because it'll have its own assets, liabilities, and those will all have implications on your financial plan, um, you know, what happens in, in the event of death. So really just using each engagement with the client to expand on what we know about them. So in this session, let's expand on your business and really understand what sits inside there. And it's been really interesting really seeing that and the things that come out of that, things that can completely derail the plan. Um, if you didn't know before, you know, like things like a loan account. I mean, I think that is in, in South Africa with a lot of, you know, business owners, um, there's a lot of change that happens rapidly from year to year between that individual and the business and understanding that and understanding how that changes is vital because it impacts all of the planning that, that you've done up until that point. So I think, yes, 100% planners use asset map to save different views, which we call layouts, uh, for the clients to enable different conversations. Maybe the next time it's looking at you and your business partner on a page and unpacking what that looks like. Um, and the same as we move into the target map space, you know, which shows how on track the client is to achieve their different goals. I always say you want to design that page because you can, you know, move them around to tell a story. You know, this is where we're at, but what can we do differently? What if we did this? And, and you want to work through that with the client um, because we know that if a client is empowered and engaged in a session with the planner and you co-create the plan together, you know, this is what we agree are the next steps. It's far more likely that that client will stick to that plan than us saying to the client, this is what I think you should do in these events, or this is my recommendation or advice. So the more we can build these stories and enable these conversations with clients around unpacking their story and how that impacts them, the more likely they are to succeed. It's so true. You know, having a plan that you co-created with a client, where it's the client's plan, instead of it, oh, Mr. Client or Mrs. Client, here's the plan I made for you. Um, you. you don't have that, that ownership. You mentioned the speed at which things change. So I'm curious, is the annual review dead? <laughs> Yeah, I mean that's interesting, Louis. I, I have my my views on 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 the annual review in in particular. I I would say it's it, it's evolving. It, it's changing. I mean, it's it's obviously necessary to continue engaging with clients. So in no means is that dead. Um, but how we engage and what we engage with in those annual reviews, I think, is changing and and will change rapidly um, over the next few years. And I, I mean, just even the word. I think the word should should change. For First, it just represents this looking backwards or, or looking at it again, you know, reviewing what we've done. Um, and I think if we approach that engagement with the client and often approach it by showing this is where we were and where we are now, I mean, that's mostly what we want to, sh what, what is being shared, then it's almost like we're reviewing the performance of the plan up until now. That That's the focus of the conversation. This is what has happened so far, which means that the, the conversation can only really be about performance fees. Should, what should we have, what should we have done differently? Whereas if we can shift reviews to say, actually what this meeting and this engagement is about is always we start with where are you now and where are we going? And we can just shift it from being, you know, looking in the past to looking at where are we going? And if the conversation is always around your progress to where you want to be, then if you just think about just the amounts of conversation and the difference in the engagement that just that one shift creates, because now the client's saying, oh, but you know, what if I do this? What, how does that impact my progress? Or, and the plan is saying, well, let's take a look and let's see if we do this, this, and this. How does that progress you? It's completely different to, you know, why did this investment perform differently to this other investment? You know, so I think that shift is going to happen more and more going forward. And I think that's, that's really exciting because it's just a much more positive way of, of progressing a client and always looking forward to what are the things that are in our control that we can do differently that that moves you from where you are to where you want to be. Yeah, we often miss the planning part of financial planning. 
We spend so much time looking at how did we get here? What happened? Oh, Mr. Client, we, we did do our job, but then we miss the, the part that we're looking forward and saying, what is there that we need to plan towards and kind of pull someone along on that journey or even sometimes nudge them to stretch those goals a little bit. What are the stories that you've experienced or heard from financial planners about the impact that financial planning has made in the life of their clients? I mean, I think that's the part of my my role that I get the most joy of is when planners share with me experiences that they've had with clients. Um, and, you know, I think it's it's experiences that range, you know, from clients that, you know, there was one example recently where um, a client had been retrenched, you know, over, over COVID. They've been saving their entire life and um, and the question was, she wanted to to work again, but didn't really know what she wanted to do, and could she take the time to figure it out? You know, and because the planner was able to show her, even if you don't work in, you're going to be okay. And I know that's not often where where clients are, you know, going to be okay no matter no matter what, but because she could show her that you're going to to be okay. That anxiety was removed immediately and the client felt like, okay, so now I can take the time and, and find what, you know, what brings me joy and what I want to pursue. So I think planners sharing experiences like that or even experiences where they showed a client their picture. It wasn't, you know, on track. Um, to, to what they want to achieve, but they spoke through and they together have a plan in place. And the client walked away knowing I can get there. These are the things I need to do, but I, I can get to, to where I want to go. Um, you know, it's those stories that really, um, bring me joy and just clients seeing the picture of, of an asset map and saying, you know, this is something I've always wanted, but I didn't even know I wanted it. I just snapshots of, what I have and where I am, you know, thank you for showing me this. Um, this is what I needed to see. Uh, so th- those, those are the stories that yeah, I, I love to hear. Oh, that's brilliant. And as you talk, I kind of gather this picture of someone being able to zoom into the details when it's necessary, but also zoom out and look at the bigger picture when that's what's you know most needed for the client. Do you think we spend enough time on skills that allow us to visualize information or just see a bigger picture or do we spend too much time on the kind of technical skills or how do we find that balance i think i think that is the the talent and the opportunity you know in finding that balance because i think we we do tend to focus on the on the technical side you know a lot of the time we you know, we and, and and we have to. I mean, it's a space we we've had to play and, and and to build credibility over the years. You know, to show how we're calculating things, to be sure we we're doing the right things for clients. So it it, it makes sense that we do that. But finding that balance, as you said, is is what's most critical. And I think, you know, we have to rely on technology, and technology has to be the 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 means for us to do that we need technology to make things simpler and easier so that we have more time to focus on that and i think that that also lends to this idea of you know the biggest challenge or opportunity for our industry right now is how do we make advice more accessible you know how do we how do we take more people and move them forward i mean if you think about every day planners are working with clients and every day clients are end in a better position than when they started so if you think of the compounding effect of what we're doing we're daily moving people forward the challenge is how do we move more people forward you know how do we make it more accessible to to more south africans um and that's where technology has to play that role in giving us the ability to spend less time on the calculations the report creations the complexity and and make it more simplified so that we can see more clients work through more clients and help them all uh, move forward so i think that's um I think technology is one aspect of that. And the other space is teams, you know, creating more team approaches um, in financial planning. And and we've seen that quite a bit. We, I mean, you're seeing that more and more at the moment where practices are bringing on more planners um, and it's so encouraging or even interns, you know, you're seeing a lot of interns join um, experienced, uh, established financial planning practices. I think that, that if the space is 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 right and we create the space for everyone to share and bring in their ideas and learn from each other it's that team approach 
um, combined with technology that I think is going to help us make advice more accessible. I want to spend a bit more time on that team approach because surely there has to be foundations in your business that has to align for the delivery of advice in terms of a team. What do you think has been the barriers around, you know, in historically creating financial planning teams and why is it now different? I think it's a, it's again an, an evolution. So I think there's a lot of um, space for it to grow, but I think we're on the right track um, and we're seeing more and more of it. Um, it reminds me of one of our, our practices, uh, Louis, and um, it's, it's a, you know, a team approach. There's the founder of the practice who's obviously been there for many years, created the practice. Um, and he, he said to me, you know, over, over his time in, in the business, They've brought on younger planners. And if you look at the business now, they actually have planners sort of representing three generations almost or three different different generations. And he said to me the key thing that he learned over time was that when you bring in a younger planner into the business, yes, it's your role to, to impart your knowledge, to share your knowledge and your experience that you've learned with that person. But you also need to create the space and be open to that person's unique perspective and changes that they want to implement. Um, and I thought that was so, you know, profound because that's hard. You know, it's hard to, to, to make those changes, especially if you've been doing something for 20 years and it's worked for you. Um, but, but he said that was his biggest learning that he had to do that. He had to also change. He had to adapt to, you know, these ideas from, from younger planners coming into the business that they want to do. And that's what moved the business forward. Um, he also said when they bring in that they had a power planner in the business, he'd been there for three years, I think. Um, and had now was moving on. He wanted to work in an investment house and, and he was, you know, going in that direction and very excited, um, about that next step. And he said, you know, when, when someone leaves, you know, after they've been with us for a few years, his, he feels a sense of pride. You know, it's, it means that it was successful. The time that they spent here was successful because three years ago, he probably wouldn't have got that position. But because he's been here with us and we've worked together with him for three years, now he can. And I thought, you know, that's different. You know, often we feel, it's kind of hard when someone leaves, we've worked with them, you know, we have to find somebody new and it's, you know, it's not, um, you know, it's probably more difficult, but just shifting that to say, actually, that means it was a success. That person can move on. And he said, and now they can bring in someone else and do it again, you know, do it together again. And I thought it's that type of thinking that I think is needed in team approach. It's just this idea that we all bring a unique perspective based on our different levels of experience and, and, you know, different knowledge that we have. How do we create the space where we all changing to create a, a better, you know, different outcome that, that meets all of those changes. But I'm encouraged. I see that a lot. I see it happening a lot now. Um, and I think that'll happen more and more. Um, and that'll definitely help with, with accessibility to advice. That reminds me of the story of the two business partners that were talking about investing in their staff. And the person said, what if we spend all this money training them and they leave? And the other business <laughs> partner said, what if we don't spend the money and they stay? Hey. Oh, brilliant. brilliant. And so just I mean, investing so in your true. staff and building their yeah. skills through the journey of delivering you know, yeah. advice and this team approach that we're talking about makes me very excited. But at the same time, what we've seen in our business is that it's difficult to move a client between different advisors, probably because as advisors, we tend to want to hold on. And I'm sure there's a big ego part of that, that we're the best to deliver this advice. What advice would you give to someone that might be struggling to transition from one advisor to another within the same business? So moving a client over to maybe let's call it a junior advisor or someone that's better suited to deliver that advice. I mean, I think it starts by saying, what is the advice experience that we deliver. And if everyone in the business is aligned, this is the, the process. This is the advice that, you know, the, the client engagement experience that we want to create and align behind that vision, you know, of the, this experience, this process. And you have something that brings it all together that whether a client, 
deals with this planner or that planner in the business or whoever they're dealing with, they know the experience is consistent. The, the relationship side, you'll find they'll have different relationships with everyone in the business. Um, you know, we often see that clients have relationships with the, the, the from the admin staff that are processing it to the planner. They have different relationships with everyone in the business already. And I think that that's fine. They, that will continue. But make sure the experience, everyone is aligned to that experience. And if everyone buys into and is behind, this is the experience we want clients to walk away from when they work with us, then I think the transition is easy. Clients can easily transition between different planners, but have something that grounds it. You know, in every meeting, you know, we start here uh, and whoever we're dealing with, this is where we start. And obviously I'm going to say, you know, asset map is a great way of, of doing that, but it's just having something that says, you know, in our process, this is the experience we give to clients and they feel that experience regardless of who they deal with. Um, cause clients feel value, you know, and they will, they will feel that. Um, then I think it's, it's easier, but it's, it is a journey. It doesn't happen overnight, but as you said, invest in, in, in the people in your business and invest in this is what experience we're trying to create and make sure everyone in the team buys into that. Um, then I think it makes that easier. I can attest to that. You know, just having an asset map means that it's a little bit easier for someone to take over that meeting because they're already familiar with that client's financial life. The part sometimes that's missing is, you know, the institutional knowledge you've built up with that client around their family and the experience. Is there a way we should be capturing that better or documenting that better? I mean, I think often, you know, we've seen in practices that just as much as putting everything on one page on the asset map is great for clients, it's also great for the practice. Because often, as you say, the, there's pla different planners have been dealing with different clients. All that knowledge about the client sits in their head, including, you know, what are the children's names? How old are they? Who are the other people in the family? You know, here's the, the mother-in-law, you know, lives with the family or their father lives with them. What is, you know, what does that mean for them? Um, and I would say you want to capture all of that. So obviously, you know, in asset map, it'll show all the people that are important to the client with this notes functionality that you could put all of that in. But often in the practice, building the asset map is, is the plan is coming together on showing a one page for the client. This is our understanding of, collectively of who this client is, what's important to them, who's important to them, just as much as it is uh, for the client. But however you're doing that, I think the key thing is, is about sharing and collaborating. So let's build a picture of who this client is um, and, and, and use the knowledge that we've experienced over time. Because we see a lot in practice as well where there may be a planner exiting the business and that transition of relationship is difficult, you know, from a planner exiting to, to the planner taking over, but just being able to say, this is how, you know, what that planner knows of you. And now I know it, you know, we can easily transfer. This is where you are. I understand you. I understand who's important to you and where you are. And we're just going to continue along this journey. So however you're doing that, I think that is the, the key is for you to collectively create that picture. Brilliant. Kirsty, what's next for Asset Map South Africa? What are you working on and what's, what's exciting that you can share with us today? Yeah. I mean, what's next for, for Asset Map? Um, Asset Map has something, a component of it called the, the six L's, which is the six financial fire draws. Again, it was created by the, the CEO of Asset Map, which is Adam Holt. And essentially, he was driving when it, when he thought about it. I mean, if you've heard him speak, you'll know the story, but it, it's really about what are the six things that can derail a client's plan? You know, and, and they all happen to start with an owl just to make it easy to remember. So it's, you know, liquidity, long-term disability, loss of life, um, legal and liability. Um, and there's one more, oh, longevity. I'm <laughs> remembering well done. Uh, thank you. <laughs> and, and the idea you know, around these six hours and all of this is to, is to show a client their asset map, to show them their picture and to ask the question, if this event had to happen, something happens and you need liquidity, you show me on this picture 
what your plan would be. And it's just a subtle difference, but instead of saying this is the plan for those things, like we were talking about earlier, because most clients in the head have some sort of idea around, you know, this is what we'll do. These are the steps we'll take. So it's about showing the client their picture and working through this to say, let's understand, do you have a plan in place? If someone in this family passes away, what does that look like? You know, what what's the next steps? What sort of cover do you have in place already? Or what would your process be? And working through these six hours with them. The idea then is to say, okay, now we know where there is a plan, where there isn't a plan, where we need to review it. We can go check how that's going to pan out and together work on, will that you know, allow you to meet your goals or will we need to do something differently? The next step in acid map is something they call signals, which is really this check engine lights. And basically it's, it's starting to bring in algorithms to say, well, if this is the picture of where you're at now, if we base it on some formulas, where are you red, green, and amber? So that the planner can immediately say, oh, okay, liquidity is red. I need to I need to go and delve a little bit deeper in there and, and look at that a bit more. So that's one of the things that's that's coming uh, down the line um, with AssetMap that we're quite excited about. Um, but AssetMap's whole drive behind it is this simple, rich philosophy. So it'll always, everything that we bring in to AssetMap um, as enhancements or features will be around how do we find that balance, rich in credibility, but simple that it makes it engaging for clients. That is always the number one goal is to, to be that translator, to be that ability to say to a client, simply, where are you and how do we move you forward? That's wonderful. I think Michael Kitts has recently grouped AssetMap in terms of what he called client engagement software. And it's now more than just financial planning. It's really engaging your client during meetings, during their planning, and sometimes plugging in, you know, maybe a little bit more technical tool if you need that. But what we've seen in our business is that becomes the stable. That becomes the place that you can go to first and say, okay, how does this impact it? And do we need other pieces of information? I mean, we were really excited about uh, that new category. I mean, I, just having that category, I think, is is great. And being part of that, of course, is extremely exciting and feels good and feels like where Acid Map fits. So um, that's super exciting. Um, but it's exactly that, Louis. Like you said, sometimes you maybe do need to to get into more technical and, and there'll be other tools that you can use that, that support that. Um, but it's really about saying if this is – how we engage clients. So if you think of that translator, I always like to talk about it as a translator, just taking the complexity of planning and saying, how do we simplify it so we can show clients what they need to know and how to move them forward. Um, and that's where Asset Maps focus is. And it can be that, that little way of engaging um, with your clients. So financial jargon in on the one end and actionable <laughs> steps out on the other hand yes. so that a client can exactly. feel that that they're okay, or what you mentioned, that they're not okay yet. I really love that kind of yet. We're going to be working together to get them there. (laughs) Exactly, 100%. Kirsty, this has been a wonderful conversation. Thank you so much for being here today. For the people that would like to reach out to you, what's the best place for them to do so? The best way to to get all of us is to click on the link that um, is connected to this podcast. It'll take you to a website where you can book a a demo introduction with us and we'll take you through AssetMap in in more detail. That's wonderful. And this show is all about the positive evolution of financial advice. And you have played a massive role in this. And I want to thank you once again for being here today. Thank you, Louis. Thanks for creating this, this space for us to all share and learn from each other. So really appreciate you asking me to be here. Thank you, Kirsty.